0: Sunday I had uh, lunch outdoors for the first time this year in Stockholm. Uh, it's uh, still beautiful, sunny and uh, early spring. Although chilly in the morning, it's about I don't know, maybe 12 degrees around midday and warmer in the sun. And it's that first you know, first couple of weeks when the restaurants haven't really opened the terraces. It's a little bit temporary, a little bit dusty. But it was as if life has returned. You know, after cold and darkness, you could just see how people open up, and everybody started chatting to each other, smiling. You know, very unusual for for a Stockholm crowd, which you could say you know it's a bit sad in the first place, but it's just how we are. Um, and it made me think about you know the impact on nature cycles on how we are as human beings. And then you and I started chatting about nature and, and you had an experience the other day, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where were you again?
1: So, yeah, I was, um, I was in the southwest of England in uh, a county called Devon, uh, not far from the coast. And I spent about half day completely in nature. Uh, I met up for the first time with a guy who is an outdoor educator of primarily sort of children and, and he does summer camps for families. And so, uh, and he's done this all his life. He's my age. So he knows a lot <laughs> about nature. And we just chatted for half a day in nature, uh, not just about nature. We talked about life and, and lots of things. And we drank a cup of tea made of yellow leaves and uh, made with uh, fire that was, uh, you know, we didn't use a lighter or anything to make the fire uh, to cook the water, and it was just, like, brilliant. Um, I live in central London. I travel to other cities, and I find myself hardly ever in nature, and this was actually uh, super nice, and I and, and I reflected um, before and, and after on how unusual it is for me to be in nature and how there are many, many other people, millions of people that are in the same position as me, um, living in a city and not leaving the city very much at all. Uh, and I know it's a bit different for most people in Northern Europe because you're a bit closer to nature than, than for example, people in London. But I, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Hmm. And uh, it was a great contrast, I guess, to uh, to the city. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will not, I will never spend a lot of time in nature. I can't see that happening anytime soon. But mm-hmm. for the contrast, once in a while, I think it's really good. And to learn a bit more about nature as well is uh, really good. Yeah, I, I chatting with him. I said to him, listen, I, I just realized I don't know how to make anything. Mm. I can't make anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I can, I can make things that are very immaterial, but I can't make a a fire without a lighter or I can't, you know, I, I, I can't make tea without a bag of tea. I can't make, um, uh, a tent from natural materials, um, mm. A yeah. shelter, that's probably called rather than a tent. So, you know, so I, I find this really fascinating. Yeah. And I know you spend a lot more time in nature. Uh, it's much more common for you.
0: Yeah. But I, I, again, I'm, I think I'm, uh, I'm like the average Swede, probably. Uh, or maybe I, I'm uh, lucky to have opportunities more often, perhaps, than the average Swede. But I do think we, um, Many, many of us who, who sort of, my age, <laughs> we had the opportunity to spend time in nature as children when we were kids, and um, the whole idea of of how we relate to nature. So in Swedish, allemansrätten, Not entirely sure what that translates. How that translates into English, but the fact that you have a right to be out in nature on private land, not in gardens, but you know in. In, in the woods, in forests, on fields, unless uh, it's agri- agricultural fields, you, you're allowed to, to spend time to be in nature. You can camp in nature for, for a few days. Um, um, and um, I think that respect and that relationship to nature, perhaps I realize more and more, the more time I've, I've traveled abroad also, is something that I, I used to take for granted and I don't anymore. So um, I think that what we can learn from nature has become more and more obvious to me. So the fact that we go into nature to restore, to relax, I think that's obvious to many people. Um, Just go go for a walk in nature and you feel a little bit better afterwards. But everything else, how energetically in nature and the cycles of nature... And life in nature impacts us has become more and more obvious. So in the work that you and I do when it comes to leadership, I've had really interesting dialogues about what can we learn from nature when it comes to leadership. And there's so much. So just take, take for example, where I started. Think about spring now arriving and uh, what is spring really in nature? Well, it's things coming to life again. After having rested for a long period, especially in the northern parts of of the world, you know we, we had a long winter and darkness, and you know the colors are gone. And all of a sudden the sun comes out and starts to wake life again. And you can hear how the bird song has changed. You can see small signs in in nature that you know the, the flowers, the uh, the leaves will start very soon, just explode. I give it another five, six weeks, probably. And, and that cycle, if you take that into the corporate world, when, when is spring in the corporate world? Can there be spring if there wasn't any winter? And I think the, the, the big difference here is that it's very difficult to see when is there winter in the corporate world. So when do we rest, slow down, pull back in the corporate world? It's basically stop growth for a bit. To mm. then grow a lot later, you see where I'm. Um...
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's how exciting. how how you can take those those. So this is an we're talking about the four seasons, the annual cycle, right? And how could you extend that or, or, or you know look at a five year period, for example, at a, at an organizational level, or maybe a a shorter period than a year, and having these type of cycles. It's very very interesting concept actually. Because we've talked about, perhaps not at an organization level, but at a personal level, that some years are fast growth and lots of adventure and new and experiments and experiences and insights and realizations and so on, personal growth. And then some years are more consolidation. Where we talked about the, the year 2020 to be a year of consolidation in many ways. uh, That was my idea that it would be a year of consolidation and then the pandemic happened. And I mean, massive amounts of learning happened for us, I think. But in many ways, it was a year of consolidation. And, uh, And so I think this is a very interesting concept, not just to apply to organizational growth or leadership, but also to personal growth. And another thing that comes to mind is the um, the connection between nature and health. Um, so for example, the, and let's stay with the seasons for a bit. So I find myself sleeping more in winter than in summer. I can see that in my data. And I think that's pretty natural, right? It's it's darker and the, the, the nights are longer. So you know, in the past, when there was no artificial light, people would have slept much longer in the winter and slept much less in the summer. So, to go with that cycle a little bit, even now that we do have artificial lights and and so on, perhaps that's a very healthy thing to do. So, to go with the natural cycle of the seasons, also in our sleep and perhaps in in other areas of health.
0: Well, to connect to that. There is also the idea of eating what's available in every season, which is the opposite to eating whatever you feel like because it's available in the grocery shops, because it's imported from other countries. But I think there are theories or schools supporting the idea of only eat the local food that is available in the season you're in, and that that's supposed to, to have health benefits. I don't know enough about it to be to be sure that I, I I believe in that completely. But I like the idea from a sustainability perspective, mm. um, and also again the idea of, you know, if if you can't have strawberries in in the winter in Sweden, you will enjoy them so much more when you can have them in the summer when they grow locally here. Mm-hmm. So, but there is a, there is this idea of let's not just go back to. You know the the olden days completely, we can still, I think, be modern in a sustainable way. But I'm thinking more and more about that part, I think, you know w- what to eat in different seasons. And there's something, and that made me think when you said about your trip to Devon that you had tea on some leaves that I, I guess you picked the leaves. Mm. you went with this man and you picked the leaves. yeah and you brew the tea directly from having picked the leaves. That whole process, I think, is also very healing for a human being. So you see where it comes from. You make it, you enjoy it. It's it's like being in the cycle, the full cycle, you connect with nature.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, indeed, it was leaves and, you know, it's winter. Well, it's spring now, but it's still, there's not much out there in terms of flowers and uh, plants. Um, and, um, these were the only leaves available, yellow leaves. And we were drinking the tea from it. It was delicious, slightly, slightly tasting of coconut. I can't remember the name of the leaf, obviously, uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so I, um, let's talk a little bit more about the healing aspects of nature, because I think this is really interesting. So what happens to our bodies, our minds, as far as you are aware of? What happens to our bodies and minds when we find ourselves in nature? What is so healthy about it?
0: Let's just disconnect from theories and research for a moment. and let's just talk about the felt somatic experience from being in nature. I think it allows us it's an invitation to be fully present. So that's a first. Mm. So so when you are standing in the middle of nature, let let you give let me give you one example that is so strong in me. And, and this is going back more than 10 years. And this is actually nature abroad. So this happened to be a rainforest. One of my strongest moments or memories from nature was standing in the middle of the rainforest, a bit separate from the groups. I wasn't, wasn't alone as such, but I felt, um, I felt I had solitude in that moment and anyway. And I was standing in the middle of the rainforest And I wasn't doing anything but breathing. And it was as if I could feel the breathing of the forest. So it was as if I was part of the lung of the forest. So this is a felt experience, right? So it's not something I can explain in any other way than the experience of being one with nature. And the rainforest is very alive. You can't, you know, you you, you cannot not experience it because it's so, so strong, it's so much happening. You can almost see how it grows uh, as you watch something because it, the pace of growing is so fast and the noises are so loud of all the different animals. The life is just happening and you become part of it. Just standing still, you are part of it. It just invites you, includes you in the life. So so what happens when you allow yourself to have an experience like that? Mm. I think it opens you up completely and you can then benefit from what is the word I'm looking for from being one, I suppose from being connected. So you become connected with nature, but by becoming connected with nature, you also connect with yourself and then you can also connect better with other people. And that connection part is so strong. If we then bring it up to the cognitive mind, that connection is just so important and strong um, and when it comes to dialogues, when it comes to um, respecting and connecting with other people to perhaps create something together, make decisions, or uh, meet challenges together. So that is one aspect. What comes to you when you hear that? Do you have a similar
1: experience? Yeah, beautifully put. I have um, one experience in my mind. Uh, in the rainforest in um, Malaysia. Um, And uh, yeah, the way you describe this, I'm basically feeling myself transported back into that experience and how incredibly powerful that is. It's almost nature on steroids, isn't it? Um,
0: yeah, that's a way to put it. Yeah.
1: Um so and I, I guess a couple of things come to mind. One is that that obviously we can't do every day or every year. <laughs> Maybe only a few times in 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 our lives when we when we live in Europe. Um if that and um I hope to do it soon. I really do. Um but then there is the sort of, you know, what's the sort of minimum amount of nature uh, that you would also get, it, not, nothing like this amount of experience but uh so you know can i go to my local park in london and feel some of this and i think i can but it's not it's obviously not going to be as strong nowhere near as strong but can i can i go out and with the with the intention of of becoming present and feeling nature and becoming more energetically connected to nature can I also do that in my local park? And I think the answer is yes. The answer has to be yes. And then the other thing is this, the point you're making about doing this as a as a team or, you know, you said you did this um, with a group in, in Switzerland. Um, that's also the reason why I went out to Devon. I wanted to see what this guy was like and potentially actually bringing a group out there and getting some of those benefits. It probably won't be soon, but getting some of those benefits for group coherence by being in nature. So connecting with ourselves, connecting with the energy of nature and therefore connecting with each other and building self coherence as well as group coherence because we are in nature, that's actually very powerful, potentially. Right, so I'm I'm thinking of using that somehow and and work with him somehow.
0: Do you remember um, five six years ago we went to Nepal hmm. and we ran a management team workshop on the top of a the world. mountain, but it was a hill at least, but it wasn't one of the highest tops or or peaks in Nepal, but it was it was high up. Let's just put it that way.
1: That yeah, was in Europe. In Europe, it would have been one of the highest points. Okay. That was three and a half thousand meters. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Okay, then. Anyway, but we didn't climb to get there. We walked to get there, um, and we were sitting on grass, so it wasn't as it was just stones and cliffs. But we were sort of the felt experience was being close to the sky, and we were overlooking other other mountains. Uh, and, and by the way, this is this is also what I experience when I'm in Switzerland with all the mountains, and there is something with the solidity and the uh, permanence I suppose with mountains and there's something about the sky or ether that impacts us and if you add a fire to that and maybe you're next to some some kind of natural water so you have access to all the elements the way they are I think all the elements again have a an impact on our I would say our cognitive ability to become a little bit smarter, a little bit more creative, a bit closer to connecting and wanting to understand each other. doesn't mean that we have to agree with each other, but it just just opens us up. It just uh, helps us to become more of ourselves, more authentic, because everything around us is so authentic. It's just there. And I think that's the difference with a city compared to a, a pure nature. A city has been... It's been built, it's been impacted by hand and there was a plan and we sort of made it into something, whereas nature just is. It's mm. just the way it is. So it's naked. Mm. So we become a bit more naked in a way.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it helps us to be vulnerable, which is something we uh, we invite in leadership development programs. We invite people to be vulnerable. Because we know there is learning coming in that space. We know there's connection from, from vulnerability that you can't get at the same level when you don't open up.
1: A couple of things come to mind. One is, actually, we should do this more often. <laughs> Maybe we we should do this um, with groups. or And I personally am going to do this more often. Um, learn more about nature, be in nature more and, and experience nature more than I currently do, which is quite easy because I hardly ever do. The other thing is about I was just gonna go back for a sec to the health benefits and this what, what happens to what happened to me on Sunday when I was there, I just felt an almost immediate or an an almost instant sense of calm. So sort of overcome by a sense of calm being in nature. And, um, and I wonder what it is. And I think the couple of things is one is that I think it has a very beneficial impact on the nervous system being in nature. we uh, I think we just breathe a bit slower and we, we relax a bit more and we tense our muscles a bit less. And, and then this idea of, you know, generally we are focused with our eyes very close, right? So if we open up to the to the skyline, whether that's mountains or whether it's just the sky, or you know, looking a little bit further than where normally our phone is, it just um, has a beneficial impact on our nervous systems as well, as um, Andrew Huberman's work uh, has shown. So there's some really, I mean, there's some there's some really clear health benefits that we can prove from being in nature. The, um, the Japanese call it forest bathing, right? So being in nature for a while has significant health benefits. And for people that live in the city, work in the city, go to school in the city, and perhaps if they're lucky, go on holiday a few times a year to somewhere a bit more in nature, they probably can do with more of that and would be good for them. So if we can support people to do that, that'd be great, I think.
0: A couple of easy you said before, you know, what can we do if you're a city person and nature doesn't come naturally to you or you don't have the access as easily as as easily as as perhaps I consider myself being lucky because I do have that access very easily available to me. There are a couple of things that I think works really well. One is to uh, pack your rucksack with a, a you know picnic, or it doesn't have to be very complicated. So you take that with you and, and you go out and you have your meal somewhere outside. Easier when it's warm, but you can actually do it every every season. You just have to adapt, making sure you have the right clothes. There's something about eating outside. And I again, I don't know what the research is, but I think many, many of uh, you would agree that somehow food tastes even nicer when you're outside, the kind of picnic food you bring with you. Another other practice that I've... Um, done myself for many years and I've uh, also experimented with clients is I find green moss in nature. So you have to leave the path and go straight into the forest. And this works not in a park, but it works in, you know, the wild parks. So Richmond, for example, in in London, you would find green moss, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Stockholm, you would definitely find it in every little, you know, just leave the running track wherever you are and you will find green moss somewhere. And and you, you leave the path and you go and stand still on a piece of green moss. Feel the connection with the uh, softness of the moss. You, you still have your shoes on, but you just feel that it's softer to step on and you sort of sink into earth. There's something very grounding by that. If you happen to have a tree next to you, you can also lean your back mm. um, towards the tree. Mm. So so that's very easy, very accessible. Um and and just experiment and see what does it do to you. Yeah. Try to be present in the moment.
1: And um, just to add one more to it, we we've talked about this before. But we, what if we take a meeting in the park? Right. So if our office is not too far from a local park, we just walk to the park, walk around the park, come back. I mean, I had a client meeting yesterday in Hyde Park and. And I was reflecting on it. This was the day after I was in Devon. um, Reflecting on how how great it really was. Because in Hyde Park, you get a lot of the benefits of nature. Birds in particular, of course. uh, That you find in real nature. And just hanging out with a client and chatting together and being in the park for a few hours. I think it brings a lot of the benefits. And um, so can we... Take a meeting as a walk and talk. Yes, that's possible, right? Uh, especially now that we're more and more seeing each other can, in, in real life. Can we take that meeting as a walk and talk in the park even better? Uh, I think that's, that's a really quite, a I would say, quite an easy one to implement for people. What else?
0: Well, if you're more advanced... Let's just put it that way. Some mm. people grow up on the countryside and uh, you know spend all their free time in the in the uh, in nature. What made a huge difference to me, uh, you know, I've done this. I'm in the middle of getting my hunting license. Not necessarily because I know I will be hunting or shooting animals, but it's about learning more about nature mm. and reading and studying about nature, understanding the different kinds of birds where they are, what they look like, how they behave, or, or bigger animals or smaller animals or anything that's growing. It's just opening up even more doors of amazement, I suppose. And it's, it's, it's with anything. The more you learn about something, the more interested it becomes and the more you can explore and see. And it's just a never-stopping treasure. So I was just walking around in Stockholm, uh, also with a client a couple of days ago, and I spotted all the different birds when I was walking around Yugodan. And before I used to call them birds, you know, it was just I grouped them. And now I could distinguish, I could see three or four different types of birds. And I knew something about them. And it, it's, uh, I suppose, it's, a, it's, it's nice, it's a pleasure. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an amazement just seeing all of this, seeing all these different lights. So it doesn't have to be that, but, you know, learning more about something that you're already pretty good at, it's on the path of, you know, we can call it mastery if we like to use Daniel Pink's words, but, you know, what do you get motivated by? Well, when you become better at something you're already good at, Mm. so how can you become even better in your um, relationship with nature or else? Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, great, great advice. Absolutely, I will take that on on board.